Yeah, let's just pray for a moment. Thank you, God, for your presence with us, Lord. Thank you that we know there's hope in the midst of suffering. There's even joy to be had in the midst of pain. Um, and I ask God, by this power of your spirit at work in us, that you would enable us, empower us to have joy, to experience joy, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, and that we would be a people that um, powerfully present you to the world in a, as we experience hard things. So may that be part of our witness, our martyrdom to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Mariah. Um, we've been talking a lot about pain uh, this month. Obviously, it's the theme of the month, and it's been a heavy month. And uh, on our th these Thursday evenings, I've been talking a lot about groaning, how uh, in Romans 8, it says, God, uh, well, all creation is groaning, waiting for the return of Jesus, waiting for the healing of creation. And all we groan. So our groans, humanity's groans are added to creation's groans. And you just have this really dark picture of painful groaning. And then we see this third voice added to the groans, and that is God himself groans with people. And it's really a beautiful thing that God is our co-suffering savior and that he groans with us and experientially like understands our pain and is actually Hung, hangs on the cross. There's a story uh, told uh, during the Holocaust of this family in a concentration camp, and um, the guards were rounding up this family, and um, this mother is screaming, where is God? Where is God? He's not here. Where is God? And an old man pointed at this boy who was being hurt badly. And he said, God is there. He's there. God suffers with us. He's on the cross with us. So that's what we've been discussing. So there's permission to groan. and There's permission to lament. And last week we wrote our own lament. And I encourage that practice, that we are invited to voice our pain to God. We are invited to protest our pain before God. But there's also this other invitation that runs parallel in Scripture uh, as we experience pain and suffering. And there's this invitation to not only groan, but there's this invitation to joy. And this is a pretty stark dichotomy. This is a tension. Uh, we are invited to groan, protest, lament, but also we are encouraged and invited and even commanded to rejoice in suffering, to take joy in our pain. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Why and how could we actually have joy in pain? This seems to me to be a distinct, a distinct uh tenant or expression of Jesus followers that we are actually able to suffer in ways that express joy, that we can have joy and even rejoice when we experience 
pain and suffering. And so let's go back to this 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. He's like, don't be surprised when suffering happens. I think I'm usually surprised when bad things happen. Like, I, I'm, I'm always like, why is this happening? But I think Peter's saying, actually, this is the norm. Bad things happening is the norm in this broken world. It should be surprising when things are going well. But he says, don't be surprised. I think Jesus said it, right? He says, in this world... You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, right? In 2 Timothy 3.12, I have this um, verse here, but it says, if anyone strives to be like Jesus, if you're trying to be like Jesus, you're following the Jesus way, you will be persecuted. The more and more you look like Jesus, the more and more you're formed and shaped into the image of Jesus, the more you take on this mind, as it says in Philippians, who didn't count equality with God, I think to be grasped, but let go. The more you look like Jesus, the more you're probably going to meet resistance with darkness. The more you take on the light and walk in the light, the more darkness may uh, intersect your life. So we're not to be surprised. That's the one thing I wanted to say. Not to be surprised. But then verse 13, instead of being surprised, he says, rejoice. That seems like a like a hard shift, right? Don't be surprised, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. As much as you participate in the sufferings of Jesus. I think this has a couple meanings. The sufferings of Jesus are past, but they're also present. They're, they're, they were experienced once and for all at the cross, period. But they're also like a present active participle, the ing words, right? He's also, he suffered and he is suffering. He continues to suffer. As we said, he's groaning, he's suffering. And so when we suffer, we share in the sufferings of Jesus. And there's a communion with Jesus that occurs. That we feel what Jesus is feeling. And our heart breaks alongside of Jesus as his heart breaks. So why would we rejoice? Well, here's one thought. Suffering and our pain becomes the meeting place of God. It becomes an occasion to meet with Jesus. Because we know where Jesus is. He's among the broken, the hurting. He's groaning in our pain. And in places of pain, we can experience the presence of Jesus in really special and intimate ways. I think that's one reason scripture continually calls us and invites us to rejoice because here is an occasion to be and to meet with Jesus. Psalm 34, 18, and that is a slide. The Lord is close or near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 23, one of the most famous poems in the world, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you, and that's a personal 
address, right? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So our suffering is a meeting place, an occasion to experience the very real presence of God who's meeting us. So we've talked about Jesus as our co-suffering Savior, and we've emphasized his co-sufferingness, but he's also our Savior. He's not only just our co-sufferer, he's not just, it doesn't, it's nice that God, it's very good, it's very powerful, it's very healing that God groans with us, but also he saves us. He's there with us in our suffering to help us, not just to hurt with us. He's there to comfort us and to guide us and to transform us and to bring healing to us. And so this, this suffering becomes an occasion for experiencing an intimate communion with Jesus. I, I think this is true in our human relationships, right? When you suffer with someone, when you go through a hard time, you really begin, it can either make or break the relationship, I guess. Um, in Joanna and I's case, I think it made our relationship when we were going through infertility, when we had a miscarriage, uh, when we went through that, it was really difficult. It was a strain on a relationship, but through that, as I suffered, as we suffered together, we began to realize our commitment to one another. We began to see how we were for one another. We began to see and admire how we were leaning on Jesus and how we would point one another to Jesus. We became stronger um, together. And I think the same happens when we suffer with Jesus that we go through this with Jesus and we begin to see that Jesus is with us and we begin to see that he's committed to us and we begin to see that he is comforting us and that he understands us. So that's the first reason we might rejoice is it's an occasion to meet and be with in an intimate way, Jesus. The second thing is our pain is transformed into perseverance and hope. There's this, ma- it's not magic. It's this beautiful thing that through the Holy Spirit, we experience because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, because of his suffering and his resurrection and his victory over Satan's sin and death. All suffering is sanctified. All suffering becomes an occasion for transformation in the life of a believer. So um, we see this in James 1, right? James 1, 2 through 4, where we're told, consider it, joy, Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So there's this amazing thing that happens that as we, as we experience suffering, Jesus transforms our suffering into sanctification, into strengthening, into perseverance, into hope. As it says in Romans, Um, there's a man named Graham Cook that I used to listen to quite a bit. He's a teacher. He's a prophet. He's he's, um, kind of outside of maybe the circles that we usually travel in. He's a really tender man. He has a really uh, intimate relationship with Jesus. And so... Um, he shares a story, though. He was traveling the world speaking in these conferences, and there was these uh, three guys that 
did not like him, thought he was a false teacher, um, were really critical of him, wrote articles against him, and they would show up to every conference he did. They followed him around the world and got the front row uh, seats and were just sitting there writing down everything that he said and just like, yep, he said that, that's a heresy, that's a heresy, that's a heresy, and then they'd write about it. They'd follow him around, and this was giving him a lot of anxiety. It was keeping him up at night, and he began to like really build up resentment towards these guys, and so he was praying about it, and one he went to bed, one night, and God gave him this dream. He did, this is how he described it. God gave him this dream, and he's sitting in God's lap, okay? This is how he describes it, and uh, they're just enjoying one another's presence, and um, God says, hey, Graham, look down there. Do you see, see, see that thing down there? He's like, yeah, it looks like a really rough piece of marble, like a stone, and he's like, yeah, He's like, you know what that is? He's like, no. It's like, that's you. Hey, look over there. And here's some, here's some people that walk over and they've got tools and they've got chisels and they've got hammers. And um, they start working on this piece of marble. And, and, and God tells Graham, he says, hey, I want you to cheer those, those people on. The more you cheer, the harder they'll work and the faster they'll work and the better they'll work. And so he's like, yeah, go, go, guys. And he's like, no, really give it to him. He's like, go, guys, you're doing awesome. Go, go, go. And they're just chiseling, 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 um, making this thing. And, and he just cheers and cheers, and they're both cheering him on. And at the end, the dust settles, and this beautiful work of art, this beautiful sculpture uh, appears. And, and Jesus tells Graham, he's like, you know what that is? He's like, what? He's like, that's how I see you. That's how what I'm calling you in to be, this beautiful, he's like, that's so beautiful. I can't believe that. I can't believe that's how you see me. I can't believe that's what you're doing in my life. He's like, hey, do you recognize those guys, those people that you were cheering on to work? I said, yeah. Uh, oh, and he takes a closer look, and it's these three stooges, these three dudes that are following him around, criticizing him. He's like, this is the work they're doing in your life. And I want you to cheer them on. I want you to rejoice in what they're doing because they are sanctifying you. They are forming you. I am working in this situation for your good and for your beauty. That's the work of pain in our lives. Now, I want to say, I do not believe that God brings pain into our life as like a a, a tool of sanctification. I think pain is a result of sin. It's a result of the fall. It's a life under death. But I believe that through his resurrection, new creation has broken through. It's on the move. And his spirit is able to create and make new creation out of pain. He is present, transforming pain, transforming suffering into our sanctification. It's like the martial art Aikido. Have you ever heard of Aikido? It's A lot of people don't like it because... The object of the martial art is to not harm your enemy. It's like a very, it's using your enemy's momentum against them. And so, and, and basically just to like absorb what their energy that they're using to harm you and to like absorb it and to turn it back around, to just like keep them off. That's kind of like what God does in our suffering. Like everything the enemy throws at us, it's an Aikido move. And he just, it absorbs it and it uses the momentum and it, It actually strengthens us. It uses the momentum of our suffering, the coming at us that's intended for our harm, and it transforms it into 
our good into our strength. That's the power of the Spirit at work in our life. So rejoice because you're meeting Jesus in suffering. And this Jesus that you're meeting is actually transforming the suffering into sanctification, into transformation, into this beautiful work that he has created you to be. And then last, and this is the last thing, it says in verse 14, the second part here, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, right? 13, so that you may be overjoyed. There's that word joy again. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When his glory is revealed. There's something even more beautiful happening than meeting Jesus, than inward transformation. There's a revelation of the glory of God, the beauty of Jesus, the life and the light and the love of Jesus that is revealed and released as the believer goes through suffering. Let me go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. This this is a, a, a pretty famous verse, but I've never read it in this context. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Your body, you can pinch your body, slap yourself. That's your jars of clay. You're a jar of clay. We have this treasure in in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. He describes all the pain and suffering they're going through. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. We carry around the sufferings of Jesus. We carry around the death of Jesus in our pain. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. There's a revelation of God's life, light, and love. His his glory can be revealed in suffering. And so I brought this. I want you, I'm going to pull this out. Richard, would you take this and you can peel off couples, just peel off a leaf. And then here, you guys, let's get off this. And Zoom people. Use your imaginations. Pass this around. Grab a couple of leaves. You can grab some flowers. You want some flowers? Here. No. Want some flowers? All right. I want you to take these flowers. Take these petals. Smell it. Now smash it. Crumple it between your fingers. Maybe pull down your mask for a brief moment. Do the little uh, improper mask wearing. What do you smell? <laughs> does 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 this does the smell is it released more as it is crushed? Richard Wormbrand um, 
was a Christian who suffered terribly under communist Russia uh, in the Soviet Union. And he describes the suffering of himself and other Christians who were imprisoned for years, kept barely alive just so that they could feel pain and suffering. And he said, as I heard the screams and the suffering and the agony of my fellow Christians, I realized that we're a lot like flowers. A flower, if you bruise it under your feet, rewards you by giving you its perfume. I think the beauty of the cross and the beauty of the resurrection and the beauty of new creation is that everything Satan, sin, and death intends for evil is turned upside down and onto itself. And so when they intend to crush, when sin and brokenness and shame and all of this constricts and presses against us, it intends to destroy, but it actually releases the revelation of this beautiful love of God at work in our lives. And it becomes a witness to the love and work and healing of Jesus in the world. So the aroma of Christ's love is being released in your life. That secret sorrow that you hold, if you'll meet with Jesus around that sorrow, and if you'll consent to his healing work in your life, And you'll allow that work to do, his healing work to do its work. That aroma of Jesus' love will be released. As we, um, just, uh, Carolyn's going to sing uh, this song. And it's really intended to be more of a reflective time. The lyrics will be up. It's a beautiful song from Common Hymnal. It's called He Has Time. And it really is a description of someone who is just presenting themselves, placing themselves in the love of God in the midst of really deep pain. So I just encourage you, what is that secret sorrow, that deep sorrow that you carry? Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe it's for someone in your life. Maybe it's something that you've stuffed away quite a while ago. Would you bring that up and maybe even imagine that Jesus is right there, ready to receive it, ready to hold it, ready to meet you there. And he, he, has, he has time. And it may take time. It may take time. But he has time. And he's releasing this pleasant aroma of healing in your life that is a witness to you of God's faithfulness and a witness to the world, to your children, to your neighbors. So let's sit with this song and uh, sit with Jesus.